All right, homies. Um, thank you guys for putting up with me for the last two days. Um, I beg your pardon. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I feel really badly for you guys, actually. Um, I'm so over it. Um, I'm sleepy. I'm losing my voice. So I, I'm. This is a topic that I'm not good at. That's why I'm like, they got the wrong guy to talk about prayer. But um, I mean, Mark would have been perfect, and many others. But. Um, the last one is maybe I've, uh, what's his face, Noah, um, sent some like framing questions um, for this one. So I'm using those as kind of guiding points to, to, to talk. And I'm hoping that this is the so-called practical, I just, I don't believe in that, um, about what it means on a practical or functional level to be in dialogue. And I think one of the issues with prayer is that we talk about it um, like, like it's just this random act um, that you do. Um, whereas dialogue with divine fancy schmancy word has something to it um, in terms of the word dialogue um, in that it's just a constant exchange, right? So part of the reason for talking about what we did is saying, all right, so here's a God who made us and that chose for some reason us and that we're able to communicate with, right? So there's, there's theological views, I'm not gonna get into it, saying, but there, there are theological views, like there's a whole group that would call themselves deists, that was very popular in the 70s, where like, okay, there's a God, but he's just not interested in you, right? But we're so emphatic about, here's a God who is interested. So this is more about how do we reciprocate or how do we have conversation? Um, so, I want to differentiate, first of all, if you have a better concept of spirituality than I think what most of us have, that spirituality is not this thing that you do in a corner of your life, right? So um, one of the questions of the Q&A yesterday is a bigger deal than you might have thought if you understood what was being said. The question whether your dogs go to heaven, um, they don't. But is that body, soul, and spirit, a whole aspect of your being, Right? Part of what makes you alive, part of what makes you human, is your spirit. Right? And it's that spirit that is in the image and likeness of God. And it's because of that faculty within you that you're able to communicate and to have the presence of God the way that you do. Um, it's a real thing in you. Right? It's not, that's when like, we talk about spirit like it's this airy-fairy, fluffy stuff. Um, and so then you hear complete garbage being said socially, like, I'm spiritual but not religious. Um, which actually makes absolutely no sense, literally. Um, I don't mean on a social level. I mean, just by definition, it doesn't make sense. Because if you're saying, I'm spiritual, you're acknowledging this thing in you called the spirit. That's already in the realm of religion. So you're, if you're believing there's something in you called the spirit that has strength or weakness, right, that can be good or bad, you're talking about a science of a thing that exists, Right? And that thing is real and it's called your spirit. Um, and so because we exist as body, soul, and spirit, our whole body, soul, and spirit participate together in this relationship. Right? Um, and so that's why your body might be part of your, the expression of your spirit. And if you want to kind of understand it, it's really not hard to, to see practically in your daily life. Right? How many of you get hangry? 
right? So getting hangry is your body is what's hungry, but your spirit is, is participating very much um, in your responses and reactions. I know mine do. Um, or think of the inverse. When you're in an incredible mood or extremely happy, you tend to be able to endure physically more than you normally could, right? Like, if you, like when I never listen to music um, and I'm going on a walk, I might not notice that I've been walking for a long time. Um, I might not even notice that I'm in pain because I'm, I'm actually just enjoying it so much, right? So there's, there's this. So what I'm trying to get at is that if you talk about spirituality like it's an activity as opposed to your whole being, your whole view on life is skewed and you won't know how to make sense of anything. It's why you get these dilemmas and, and people get these dilemmas of like, I don't know how to balance this and this or I don't know how to choose this or how do I deal with my work life given my... If you understood personhood properly, you won't have that dilemma. And where I'm going with that is to say that in this concept of prayer dialogue with God, if you understand things correctly, God's never not around. And if that's something that you come to realize as a reality, like we keep emphasizing that word real, then it's a matter of whether you bring yourself to the awareness of the presence of God by starting to think about being with God, we used that word yesterday, as opposed to talking at God um, or doing random activities, right? So if you treat like your friends as objects and be like, I am in friend zone, we shall do fun activities because friends do this, right? So you're like, come, let us go have dinner because friends have dinner, right? And then you end your dinner like, that was good. I did friend well, check, right? That's... I mean, that's becoming kind of normal, but um, it shouldn't be normal because that's not what a friendship is, right? You had an activity in your friendship called dinner, but the activity called dinner isn't the friendship, right? So there's activities that we might do in spiritual life, and there might be forms of prayer that we do, but that is not what it means to be, per se, in dialogue. Those are things that are, that are part of being in dialogue. Right? In the same way, for example, think of, of a couple that are um, married and have a strong relationship. Um, even if they're not in each other's presence, there's a constant sense of the other in some way, whether loud or not, throughout the day. Right? It's not something that gets turned on or off. And it gets built into everything that you do. It's built into your decisions. It's built into your thoughts. It's built into your schedule. That you have constantly in the back of your mind the presence and the existence of someone else that you are intrinsically linked to, right? And that's how it is in our dialogue with God. And so like, if you can start viewing things as being with God, because God is always present, you might start to see prayer in a bigger way than, than you thought. Because you'll realize that you're never not plugged into the conversation if you can view it in that way. Um, and that if you're always in the conversation, Everything in your, in your life, I don't, I don't even like the word personally. I use it, but I don't like it. I don't like the word spiritual life. There's just life. Um, but is that you'll start to realize that all of this is an ongoing thing. There's not a thing that's not happening. Um, and we'll, I'll get into some random stuff, and then hopefully if you guys have questions to make it more practical, I'm, I'm all ears. But first, most people are asking things like, how do you pray? How does one pray? Um, and... To me, the, the, the response was like, well, how, how do you communicate in general? Um, because that's, that's all we're talking about, right? Is that we're using, we might be using what looks like a, a special word, um, 
But I mean, even the word prayer was a normal word. Like, I pray you tell this, right? I pray you was a normal English expression. It wasn't a formal, different thing. But how do you communicate with other people? Um, so if part of your communication with people is speech, then part of your prayer will be speech. If part of your communication is listening, then part of your communication with God will be listening. Um, if part of your communication with people is nonverbals, it will be the same thing with God. If part of it is where you go, what you do, how you chill, that's all part of it because that's all part of dialogue, right? The ability to be in somebody's presence is already a form of communication. Like, I know I overuse this example, but I, I, it was because of a friend of mine that I know that's really into gaming. But I was just like, if I were to just chill with my friend gaming and he doesn't speak, I'm going to learn stuff about him. Just by being with him daily in his basement, playing games, I'm going to learn stuff. Right? I'm going to find out things about him. Just being in the present by itself is going to do it. How does he react when he wins, when he loses, when he's bored? What's he like when he's hungry? Um, what are his one line? Like there's, there's a lot that comes out. So think about how you communicate. And I really want you to do this exercise either while we're talking or when you go home. Of thinking about how, be weird about it in the sense of like, there's things that we do on autopilot that sometimes we just need to bring our attention back to. Of saying, how do I communicate with people? Think of anyone that matters in your life and list out how you communicate, right? And think about how, how is it that I think of them? How do I respond to them? How do I react to them? How do I reach out? Do I reach out? What's our conversations like? What are we like when we're not talking? Do I feel disconnected when we're not talking? Because most of you probably don't. Um, you probably feel disconnected when there's distance and distance doesn't even have to mean physical, right? But you might not feel that at all from day to day, right? That there's, there's that aspect. I'm saying that because we, if you treat prayer as this thing in the corner of your room that happens for a certain period, it's not gonna come alive. Because imagine if you limited all of your communications among all the people that you know to only certain instances that you allow, right? Of saying, yes, we may speak at dinner. That is our speaking time. Other than that, we shall not speak. Right? then there's not a freedom of communication, even if you weren't even going to naturally speak more than that. Right? But once you've limited it, it takes a different spin to it. Right? I know for me, for example, since I've had to move so much since leaving this diocese, which is sad, um, was like my relationship with the people here, um, and then later in other places, where it was like people wanted to confess or do like spiritual conversation, and it would be like, I have this time till this time. And I struggled with it so much because it was just like, it felt so mechanical, right? Of just being like, yeah, sorry, buzzer went. I, I actually have to go, right? And even though it was with goodwill and, 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 it was still uncomfortable, right? Because it's just like, like someone's like, so when can we just chill as friends again, right? And it's like, I don't know, right? But it's, it's that freedom has to exist um, of, of the communication for it to be dialogue. Um, so I'm going with the headers that uh, Mr. Noah gave. So one to pray all the time. Um, and what I mean by that is not Jesus' prayer, although that could include Jesus' prayer. Um, I know there's a big fad, and I, I'm, I have like auto repulsion to fads, but um, Jesus' prayer is a very valid form and a wonderful, beautiful form of, of praying. It's just that it turned into the, this is how you pray without ceasing. And like, no, like, that's not, that's a way. It's not the way, it is a way. Um, but start, here's a simple exercise, like obviously ask your father's confessions, etc. But um, something I often tell people is like, take whatever you normally think about 
and just add comma, God. Start practicing that your thoughts be directed at him. Whatever you're already thinking, just think it and add comma God, right? Because you'll start being in that sense, in that zone of God is always present, right? So that you're always directing like, oh man, that sucks, God. <laughs> um, or like, oh, I am so excited, God. Um, I am so pissed, God. Um, and it might even help you with whatever your warfares are because it might feel weird to talk to God about something that you shouldn't be doing, but then it might also raise your awareness to, but God was here anyway, because um, it's not always negative. Because sometimes it's also like, that was awesome, God, right? Um, when this became a habit, like it became very sincere. Like when I see a beautiful sunset or mountains or whatever, I'm like, now it's, it's Lord is, is not in vain. It's like, Lord, that's beautiful, right? You made that. Right? It starts changing the way you're thinking and it starts cleaning things out because all of us behave differently when we're in private than we do when we're in public, um, or most of us. Right? So, whereas when you start bringing it into, I'm never, I'm ne it's never just me, that might help you in so many ways, which we'll get to because of how things can affect prayer. Um, so if you start thinking in that way, then the conversation, the, con the continual conversation is now on, right? Because the fact that you addressed him in your mind might make you have conversation about it, which might make prayer later on in the formal time, which we'll get to, more natural. Because you don't need to talk about whatever you ever talked about. I call this like texting God, right? So like if you're, if you're texting a friend or significant other, whatever it is, all day long, and think, oh, check it, like we just got reamed at work for blah, 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 blah. You're not gonna then come home and be like, Today I got reamed at work, right? It's like, I, I know, you told me, right? So like, you might go further with it because you have time of being like, I was so flustered, it threw me off for the rest of the day, cool, right? But you're not gonna repeat stuff that doesn't need to be repeated um, because it's, 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 it was a real conversation. It wasn't an activity, it was an actual conversation. So if you can start bringing your mind to that, I'm just trying to keep things to practical and simple, right? Then. Other aspects of your prayer life might start to become more alive. Because when you start doing, and that was part of the exercise yesterday, right, this understanding who God is, whether through scripture, through saints, through liturgy, through tradition, through whatever it is, you might be dialogue, your dialogue will change even throughout the day of being like, it might start with like, oh, that person's dumb, God. And then be like, yeah, that wasn't right. Um, I shouldn't call her dumb God, um, but I did think that clearly. Um, and then it might turn into, Lord, how do, how do you view her? Like, how are you viewing the same situation, right? Because I might have the language of here being like, God didn't treat people like that. How would he treat them, right? Or that or I might have situations being like, you know what? I called her dumb because she did this, but look at how God interacted with this character, this character, this character. He doesn't cuss them out. So then you might have a sense of, man, God is not smiling at this thought, right? Like he's not even half LOLing. Um, but it might also turn into like, oh, this is exciting, Lord. Like they're not all negative. This is like that, that, that time when so-and-so did this. Is that what this is? Is that what's going on? And you might even get more excited. But suddenly these other things that you're reading and using as tools they become immersed in and connected to your daily living in a practical way. 
So these things that you probably hate and dread doing right now, like Igbeya, Psalms, and stuff like that, um, might start taking on a different role when you learn how to use them, right? But when they're just tools and nothing more than that, and the tools become the end, they're not enjoyable and they don't go far. Um, but there has to be a, a, a way to learn how to use them properly. Um, so what to do in prayer? Um, everything, right? So again, if we're in, in dialogue, what do you do for fun? What do you do in your different moods? What do you do when you're sad? What do you do when you're glad? What do you do when you're angry, excited, um, nervous, anxious, frustrated, like ridiculously excited? Um, what do you do? That's what you do, right? Because the whole idea is you're just doing it together, right? So that's why, this is why St. Paul said things that like, makes more sense to you as you practice this of saying, whether we eat or drink, it's for the Lord, it's with the Lord. Of saying, even the eating and drinking, right? If your thing when you're super happy is to go eat Doritos, I'm not allowed anymore, um, then cool, eat Doritos with the Lord. Of uh, being like, I'm having my celebratory zesty cheese, which you don't have in America, um, Doritos, which are excellent. Um, that's I'm like, and I'm not trying to reduce or, or, or mock, but I'm saying is that, and I'm going to talk about formal prayer in a moment, but I'm just saying is that if you view prayer as only formal, institutionalized corner activities, then you won't, you won't find that relationship thriving. Right? Where if it's like, okay, comma, God, and it's with me, I'm going for a walk with God, I'm playing Nintendo Switch with God. Um, this is what the gospel says us. God became flesh and chilled with us. Right? So I can do those activities in him. And on top of it, if I start viewing my role in Christ differently, my, my duty towards humanity, right? My, my, my sonship to God also entails with it my brotherhood to everyone else, is that I might now, in his name, be doing what I do, saying, I'm gonna go play soccer with these people because it's good for us to bring one another joy, right? It doesn't have to be like, oh, because they'd be out in a club if I did not. That might be true, but that's not always having to be why. It could be just that God said, "How behold, how good and how lovely it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Or saying, I'm expressing dad's will by being joyful with my brethren, and dad is with us. I'm in dialogue with my dad and my siblings all at the same time. This is part of my family time now. This is part of my family communication time, right? That's all real. That's why I wasn't joking about saying it could be on the basketball court, and it could be in a canoe, and it could be in your room doing the salty of the day. Those are all very real, all of them. Right? Um, so there's some things that you do with people, right? So think about the things that you do um, with others and viewing that again as being part of what I do when I'm with God. When we're with people, we tend to just eat. Um, it's no surprise that God revealed himself in flesh and blood as, and partaking of us food, right? That the main uniter throughout all history seems to always have been food. Right? And it has this symbolism that goes beyond everything, right? Of, of it's, it's life-giving. It's also what gathers, right? And that's why even the church is so concerned about fasting and feasting, fasting and feasting, fasting and feasting. It's this understanding of the, the role that this communal gathering has, right? So there is stuff that needs in prayer that is done together, okay? Um, I... Maybe I'll inject it now. I was going to put it later. 
So the church life, okay, um, that's mandatory. Um, as much as many of us don't like it, anyone who says that my relationship with God is between me and God is, doesn't know God. Like, that, that's not a thing ever, historically, ever, right? God saw Adam, said it's not good for a man to be alone, created Eve from his side, and instituted family as the standard. All throughout the Old Testament was always, come together, these are the feasts that you do together, this is what you do together in the tabernacle. It was always communal. There was never a time when it was not, right? So, do I have a personal relationship with my dad? Yes, but there's no such thing as a personal relationship with dad that excludes my family. Because I cannot claim to be a son and ignore that I'm a sibling, right? And my dad himself said, no, 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 me and you and everyone else, right? So I have to be part of community, right? That is part of my prayer. Um, and that is part of my dialogue with dad because your dialogue with dad is going to be affected if you're not even at peace with the rest of the family or if you're ignoring the rest of the family, right? I can't imagine with my own father if I'm like cussing out my sister at dinner and then we're done dinner and being like, oh, dad, I love you. Let's chill. I'm like, how about you uh, fix things with your sister? Um, like, I'm, I'm, this, I'm not sanctioning this, this, this fight that you're in, right? So... There is a communal aspect that has to be done, right? And that's taken different forms over history. Um, the one thing that's mandatory is our communion, right? Is our coming together of saying that what unites us is our God who manifested himself, manifested himself in the flesh and redeemed us. We're, we're, that whole narrative we were talking about on Monday, we're, we're reliving or anamnesing is the word, anamnesis, every single Sunday of saying, let us remember. Right? That's why the one non-negotiable part of liturgy, the only non-negotiable part, is the institution narrative. The rest is, is can have discussion, but not that. Because this is the source of our unity, this is what it is that we're coming together for. So, communal aspect of prayer matters. There needs to be family dinner, and there needs to be family events, and there needs to be family bonding. That is part of my dialogue with God, because not just because he expects it, but because he's in it and with it as well. Right? So it's not like dad isn't there when we're doing the family event. Dad himself is also there. So that part has to be there. And that's why I think the devil fights so strongly community. Um, and it's why almost every group has some qualm about their church, their diocese, their region, and how messed up there is, and how judgy everybody is, and how stupid everybody is, and how backwards everybody is. Yeah, that's everywhere. Everybody's stupid. Um, every community has the same issues. Every community complains about itself. Every community has their own issues and their own qualms. That's something that's not going to go away because humans are humans regardless of where we go. Right? And so I have to look past that and say, Actually, family is a good example of it because if you look at your family, I bet you most of you would never choose your family as who you'd be with. I would not, and I, I'm okay with them now. I love them. Um, but I don't think if I were to put together who I'd want to be my family, I wouldn't have chosen them ba like, based on my personality. Living with them changes something. Somehow you come to love each other. Where I'm like, now I, I might actually. Like, I'm saying it loud. I'm like, 10 years ago, I would have confidently like, absolutely not. Um, today, I'm like, I, I might. Um, like, because love does something, right? Where it's like, oh, you're not who I thought. Um, because we've all learned how to view each other in different ways, and families are merciless, unmercifully unforgiving. Um, where it's like, we typecast our siblings, our parents forever. Of like, no, this is what they're up to, right? But again, that's, 
get inhibit dialogue with one another and with God. Um, and communication is not limited when we're saying what to do in prayer. It's not limited to just speech. That's why I'm saying there's other activities. Communication is not only talking, right? So again, think of all the ways in which you communicate and incorporate those. So where to pray, formal prayer versus informal. Um, and I think I'm, I'm emphasizing some of the informal prayer, but I also want to emphasize that the formal is real and important. Um, family dinner time should be at a table, right? And just to, to point out that there is, there's still some cultural formalities. There was a movement like in the 60s and the 70s when TV dinners became a thing in North America, right? Of being like, oh no, it's destroying family dinner. And it did. Um, because there was an understanding that family dinner is we get together and we're just with each other, right? There is also a time to sit as a family from the TV, right? That's why I'm saying there is formal and there is informal. It's not a problem that there's a time when family sitting together watching TV, right? It's that these are both important, Right? These both are, are important and they both serve different functions. Right? Our coming together gives a space for our communication, for our sharing, for our oneness, is doing something solemn. Right? This is like the, the solemn assembly, if you will. And there is just as much, there can be just as much joy in it, there can be, and some days it's miserable, but it doesn't matter, it needs to be done, um, as there are in these informal ones. In fact, sometimes if the family is not in peace, actually sometimes the informal ones are as miserable. I'm like, I don't want to watch TV with you and I don't want to play sports with you because I actually don't like you right now. Right? So these things are, are part of it. So formal and informal. Um, and there's something being communicated by sitting around the TV or the gaming. Like, that's what I mean is like, we're not trying to vilify. If something's not wrong, it's not wrong. But in terms of, we're relaxing together. Right? We're laughing together. We're sharing in something together. There's something real in that dialogue, in that communication, in that prayer. Um, and that's what I'm saying, lying on the couch talking to someone is different from being at the table going through finances. Those are both real events, right? Like that, that's saying we're not pitting one against the other. We're saying there is this and there is this. Um, so what to do when you don't want to pray? This question usually means um, a formal prayer because most of us are only ever talking about formal prayer, but um, it depends. Again, if you're thinking about prayer as speech, as dialogue, as conversation, then you need to ask yourself, why am I not in the mood to talk? Or why am I not in the mood to be with this person? Is it because I'm disrespectful? Is it that I'm angry? Is it that I'm disinterested? Is it that I'm self-pandering? Or maybe is it that I'm fatigued or stressed or doing so much that I'm not in the mood? Because it depends on what's causing it, right? It could be a negative cause and it could be a neutral one and so if we understand the repertoire of different ways of communicating I won't be as stressed out about this and it becomes a real relationship and that's like even emphasizing relationship with God because it becomes a relationship issue why don't I want to talk to you because if it's I'm just so mad at you okay cool then the key to fixing this is why are you mad let's resolve our problem right if the issue is I'm just so exhausted cool, that's a different solution, right? Or just saying, okay, no problem, I appreciate that you're exhausted, right? Is, is the cause of your exhaustion a good one or a bad one? Is it fixable or not fixable? Is it temporary, right? Because let's say there's a couple that are married and, the, and one of the spouses has been on call during nights for a week. 
And so they come home and they're too exhausted to have a conversation. Okay, that's understandable. Both will be understanding. But it's a different problem if the person's like, I always choose to be on call because I don't want to talk. Right? It's a different issue if it's like, I'm excited to be on call so that we don't talk. Right? Or it's another issue if work is going to ask me for two years. I don't want to, but work is going to ask me for two years to be on call. Then it's like, well, then are we going to prioritize relationship? Then they, all of these are real factors in real relationships, and thus so they are with God. Right? Of like, what is causing this? Right? What is the solution? All of those things. Um, but if you're living separate lives, as in spirituality is this thing in the corner, um, you might not ever want to pray. Because if you've reduced prayer to this random activity that you do for not even 10 minutes in the corner of your room, that never has any meaning or life to it. Of course, when you stop, you never want to do it again because it did absolutely nothing for you, right? There was nothing real going on, right? It would be the equivalent of you being at the Starbucks and you met some guy at the counter picking up his order and had a four-minute conversation locked away. Nothing life-changing about that for the most part. Right? So, of course, there's nothing going to go on from it. And no, you're not going to be excited about it. And no, you're like, oh, man, give me more. It'll be like, it does something for them. I don't know what it does for you. Um, and that will be your true experience, but it won't be because you were right. Right? It'll just be because you were disinterested or disengaged or maybe didn't know how to do it. Like, there don't have to be all negative reasons. Um, so, be attentive to if you're living separate lives. Um, if you're living in communion with God, your struggle is not going to be with not wanting to pray. Your struggle might be with the ability to pray. But the want won't be the issue anymore, right? It might be like, hey, I don't know, like, I know that I've been running late for family dinner every day. But it won't be, I don't want to do family dinner, right? It'll be like, I don't know how to fix this, but we need to fix this because I've been missing family dinner, Right? Um, I've just been too tired or I've been running late at work and, 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 but those are the, those become the solutions. Right? So that's what switches when your, when your relationship changes. Um, so what to do when you feel guilty that you're not praying? Depends. Are you feeling guilty because you are guilty? Because if you are guilty, good that you feel guilty. That's a proper response. Um, but are you feeling guilty because you desire to do more? That might need a conversation because maybe it's actually from a, a deep positive of being like, I wish I could talk to you all day, but I can't, right? So like, I, like I, don't know how to, I don't know how to think about you while doing this task. No problem if my task is in and with him. I'm saying, no problem, we're doing it together. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, right? Um, and so this is where a structure and a rule can come in handy because I think people misunderstand what the rule of prayer is for. Um, a canon of prayer is not to give you, this is just what you get to say. The idea of a canon is to say, a canon is almost like saying, because within the family, we individually have stuff going on. Here's the minimum that we're going to do to make sure we function as family. So we're going to always have family dinner at 7 o'clock, that's a non-negotiable or whatever, right? There's going to always be this ritual that we're doing together to make sure we're always in communion with each other and in communication. Right? It does not mean, if you're available, that you can't spend more time with each other. No, the rule was we only, we only have dinner. Right? Then it's like, then you are looking to not spend time. Right? It is not to say, there are no other ways of family getting together than dinner. 
It's just saying these, this is the, the, the minimum. So the rule can help you with this um, because the rule is meant to do multiple things. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about rule and I, I was going to do it later, but I'll do it here. Rule not only is to say here's a minimum amount of conversation to have just so that you're not so distanced that there's never communication, but the rule is also meant to train you to learn how to have conversation. And I think some of the problems that we have today with spiritual rules that some people might have is when it's no longer about the individual anymore um, and learning how to use the tools of prayer, right? And so it just becomes a repetitive, okay, here's your number of psalms, here's what you're going to do, and blah, 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 blah. Whereas the idea behind it is to say, let me train you, if this is what the trainers would be thinking, on how to grow in these departments, right? So a person needs to learn the different tools of prayer. One of them might be psalms, one of them might be praises, one of them might be spiritual songs, some of them might be nature, some of them might be reading. Um, these are all different ways that we use, right? And I'm saying, well, what is the language that you're able to use for you able to feel that you're in conversation? Um, so that you're learning and you're interacting and you are um, engaging, right? Because when you start doing that, the rule helps give you vocabulary, right? So, for example, in the Psalms, um, Psalms are very powerful and most people hate them. Um, and most people find them ridiculously boring um, and feel totally disconnected from them. And usually it's because they have absolutely no idea what they're saying. Um, and that's a problem because in real life, you don't shout gibberish at people, right? So you're not going to take, I mean, my generation, we did Old English King James um, uh, and Old English uh, Shakespeare, sorry. And now you guys have the, the new easy stuff. Um, but like nobody would be like, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, creeps on this pretty pace into the last little recorded time and we've lived all our yesterdays and blah blah I'm showing off um, but if we did that people would be like what's up um, that's weird um, so imagine if you're standing at God and like oh the beneficent who doth reign above all times and like shouting stuff like you're Harry Potter um, and have no clue what you said so you might entertain yourself um, but you won't be in conversation. So that's like, so if you don't understand the Psalms, learn them. Like put in the effort of being like, what does this mean? Find a translation that like put in the effort to make it work, right? Because when, when I started understanding Psalms, I was like, man, some of these are, are, are legit. Um, like, and some of them, like, they, they, there's a Psalm for every mood, right? So the, the one I overdo the analysis of, but I'll just do it because it's, it's rope memory, it's easier. The, the first psalm of complying out of the depths, right? I often advise people to translate it to street English, right? Say it like you would say if you're just saying it on the streets, right? So first psalm, he's saying, God from the pits, I'm calling out because life sucks, right? Which is how many of us feel very often, right? And then he says, Lord, if you were to count our mistakes against us, we'd be wrecked. Right? If you, O Lord, should count iniquity against, O Lord, who shall stand? Right? Is plain speak for if you're going to hold it against us, then like, we're going to get owned. And then he goes and makes it even more bold in a way that I'm like, I don't know that I could say that to God, depending on which translation you have. He says, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Feared in Old English meant respected. And he was like, but you forgive or we would not be able to respect you. That's really bold. Like, I, I still don't feel that I have the boldness to say that. 
right? And he's like, and then Bilimenefsu, right? And he's just like, but I wait on you, O oh Lord, and I know you're going to come through. Um, but he's saying, like, okay, no, for real, like, if, if, if I mess up, it's game over, and you don't forgive, what's the point? All I know is that right now it sucks. How many of you could uh, have never related to that? Right? There's no way that none of you have ever related, like, that, that has never been a place of connection. Right? There's other times where he's got his head done, like, yeah, I done that. Um, I messed up. Come through. There's other times where he's saying, vindicate me, I did nothing wrong. Right? And it literally starts with vindicate me. Right? Where he's like, I did nothing. Um, other times, like, you're a G. Like, you know, check it, you're, you're cool. Um, other days, like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I really needed that. Other days, he's just chilling, looking at the stars. Oh, Lord, when I look at the stars, man, that's beautiful. You're even more awesome because you made that, right? So there's a psalm for all seasons, if you will, right? But if you can't relate to it, then find out how to. Don't just be like, I don't get it, right? Like, that, that might be true, so, so figure it out. Um, ask for help with that, right? Same things with the Saudis, the Theotokeias, like all of these, right? The other nice thing about having this repertoire, even if you don't always connect, so the Psalms are helpful to be like, okay, in this mood I can use this, but they're also good for getting you out of your selfishness, right? Because for example, if I, I mean, all of us complain about, or at least I'm projecting, I complained a lot about out of the, 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 the verses of the 12th hour of the Igbeya, Behold, my mother is just frightened and terrified for many sins. For behold, I'm like, man, this is so negative. Um, and it's like, I fear and I tremble, for I am but scum. Um, and so, like, I used to be, at one point, like, there was a point where I loved it. I'm like, yeah, I'm scum. Um, and other times where I'm like, I don't feel like scum. Um, but if all I ever do is pray my mood, and if all I ever do is think about me, it's like, not having... The exposure being like, hey, have I actually thought about that my sin is a big deal? Um, like, I, maybe I should be more worried than I am. Like, maybe I'm callously um, confident, right? Even though my, my, my God is, is good, that is not an excuse for my indifference, right? So, I mean, it's like, even just the exposure of different kinds of prayers can be like, hey, how come I'm never in a thankful mood? Right? Like that if I'm just going to pray with my own words all the time, which you're absolutely allowed to do. But I'm saying that mine are always complaints or always asking or always a certain kind. I was saying that when I'm exposed to another kind of being like, hey, I didn't know that. I use this example a lot. Abuna Lazarus and Antoni, the, the, the Australian monk. I've known him since, like, since I was like a late teen. So just like a few years back, and we know each other like ridiculously well. I saw a monk joking with him about a topic that I had no idea Abuna was into. I was a little annoyed um, because I'm very egotistical and I want Abuna to be all mine. Um, but it was like, wait, how come I didn't know that that's something that Abuna is into? And I'm like, I would love to joke with him about that um, or even talk about it or, or, or. So like somebody else's conversation gave me new content, right? And that's another thing we're doing with the tools of prayer. Right, I was saying, oh, I didn't know that was something I could talk about. Right, I didn't know that that was something that could be a thing. I found out when I found out what somebody else said. Right, so using the script can be helpful when you make it your own. Right, and it can help you with the reflection. So don't be annoyed if a rule has script, because what we're doing is trying to give you a language, like we said. We're giving you the tools, um, because it also helps you figure out how to navigate your relationship in every season. Right, so you think about health. 
right? Cal- like if you're thinking about, about, about weight loss and weight management, right? You've got calories and calories out. You've got your basal metabolic rate that's governing that, right? You've got your blood flow to your muscles that affects metabolism, right? So you can be like, okay, if I want to lose weight, I've got diet as a tool. I've got gym as a tool if I do resistance, right? I can do cardio. I can do calisthenics. I can control my food intake, right? And so once you start learning the individual tools, then it's like, oh man, this is a busy week at work. I can't go to the gym. It's like, okay, then I might need to play more with food, this week because I'm not going to be able to go to the gym, so I need to not be as liberal with food as I normally would. Another week is like, I'm off this week. I'm going to eat like a pig and I'm going to do calisthenics and go to the gym, right? Another week, like, but you know what to do because you know the tools, right? It's the same thing with prayer of saying, how do I use these different things? Because there's been periods of my life where I absolutely hate, detest, loathe the Agbeya. And there's been times where I'm like, this is the best thing in the world. I've had both, and I'm sure I'm going to cycle on and off through all of them. It's not a problem, right? But I've also learned what these tools are, because there might be periods I'm like, I don't have words, and I'm very anxious, and I'm going to be repetitive. No, give me a script. Hand me the script. I don't even know if I'm going to mean the words, but I just need to be with you, or this being conversation, I just need to, to get it out, right? There's other times where it's like, this is a hindrance, I just want to talk to you, right? And all of that's okay, right? That's why there's, there's a guidance of learning how to have the conversation to grow in it, not to curb or inhibit you, of being like, hey, it turns out, and, like, and, a, and a guide who's attentive will notice your strengths and gifts, of being like, hey, did you notice that whenever you're in this mood, this thing's been helping you? How about you pull that out again, right? And then it becomes part of your normal daily life. I remember I was mugged in Toronto once with a friend after a youth meeting in college, um, and I'd been, my, my priest had been trying to help me learn psalms and stuff, which was, which was cool. So it becomes second nature. It'd been years since we had done those. The whole time we were in this, it was, a, it was like a long multi-hour ordeal with some dude with a machete and some other guy with a wrench. All that was playing in my head on autopilot, not even on purpose. I didn't think, oh, <laughs> Psalms. Like, I don't know how it happened. It was autopilot and it was just Psalms. And I felt so calm, ridiculously calm. And then because this language, this dialogue is two ways. When I start having, when I'm having this conversation, there are responses, right? And then you might even find God is speaking to you through this, right? He's speaking to you through your Psalms, where you might be like, when I was struggling at the brotherhood, uh, sorry, at the monastery about joining the brotherhood, um, like I was constantly, last Psalm of the first hour, Lord, lead me in the way where I should walk. It became my thing. I just say it over and over and over. I'd never paid attention to the Psalm before. It suddenly was relevant. Right? And so, and then I'm like, okay, reading the gospel, I'm just like, I love St. Mary's prayer of, Lord, be it done unto me according to your will. When God started pushing his buttons, right, what was the gospel reading on the Sunday morning? Be it done unto me according to your will. Right? That where God's responding, being like, this thing that you're praying? Yeah. Amen. Right? So it means like, you're also opening the doors for this mutual dialogue when you're actually speaking. Right? Or, or I don't know who's speaking, when you're actually communicating. Communicating does cause a response, right? But if I'm never communicating, there are no doors through which he can speak, right? And that's why most people are waiting for the dramatic miracle because they have no space in the small, ordinary, normal because they don't include him in it, right? So ask your spiritual fathers when you go back for a spiritual rule 
um, and have some conversation also about your own language, right? Like that there does need to be self-expression in this. You can't be entirely inhibited only using forms of communication that are completely foreign to you, right? It's not a problem to be trained in ways that you're not used to, but there does need to be self-expression, right? Um, and play around with it, right? Whether it's, um, some people like to sing spiritual songs before they pray. That can help some people. I'm very much into the turn off the lights, I like the dark, I'm emo, um, and I'll be in the zone, right? Or reading, um, <laughs> thank you, um, the book. That was excellent. Um, <laughs> so, um, sorry, I know I'm talking too much, but we're at 40 minutes so far. Are you guys dead? Should I stop? That's very polite of you. Um, I was like, that might be like, yes, but we'll say no. Um, Understanding what communication is will help you lose some of those feelings of guilt. Um, because again, you're allowed to feel the emotions that you do, but turn your emotions into prayer, right? Even, even like, let's say you're distressed. Like I remember I practiced when I was living up north uh, on Lake Superior. I, had a very, I made myself a very rigid schedule. It was on purpose, right? But it was like, I might get distracted because of my mood, because there's stuff happening. So all I would do is just whatever it was that I was using to pray at the time, I would, I would let my thought go where it was going and bring it back to God, being like, Lord, I'm, uh, I'm distracted. I'm distracted because I'm still thinking about what happened at work. Um, because then I, I just let it out. Because if I'm sitting in front of one of you and having a conversation and you notice I was distracted, I'd do that. Like, I'm so sorry, I know I'm distracted. I just, there's been a lot going on and I don't mean to be. And saying it out loud might help me be able to bring it back, right? It might be able to like, okay, I got that out now. Like, sorry, but that's not right. How was your day, right? Like that, it might make me go there. Or the other person might be like, that's okay. What's up? What's wrong? That's okay, right? Something, this is not governed by a million rules about how you're allowed to talk or not talk, right? Is that there's, there's a freedom in, in, in that and using these tools. Um, uh, written prayers, we just talked about that, so I won't spend much more on that. Uh, communal prayer, we already did. Uh, all I would add to the, the, king, the, the communal aspect of prayer, more than what we did talk about already, um, is, is to actively think about our commonality, that our common goal, our commonness is in God. Our uniting point is in our dead. Um, and this requires that we not see church or God, like we said, as a personal space or portion of life. Um, but that creation is, is, all of it is for us. This whole thing is the kingdom. That's why Christ, when he came, he said the kingdom of heaven is here, the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand, and the kingdom of heaven is coming. He kept on saying all three. It's, it's in, inclusive of, of all of this. And within the kingdom, we all have rules, and, we all have, and there's a vision. Um, and that within the kingdom, if we're functioning as family, there are things to discuss. How are the citizens? How is everyone doing? Are there attacks on the kingdom? Are we enjoying each other? And those are part of the elements of prayer, even within liturgy. So pay attention in liturgy to what we're praying. Many people complain about how long and boring liturgy is. And honestly, some days it is. Um, and that's okay. Some days family dinner is long. And some other days family dinner is wonderful. Right? But if you can try and bring your mind into it, and being like, okay, here's these seven short prayers. Pray for the peace in Holy Catholic Church. Everyone's always claiming about how church is a place of war. So why don't you pray for it? We're praying for it. Pray for that peace, right? Pray for, the, for our, 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 our Pope. His life probably sucks. I can't imagine what it's like. Um, for the priest, the bishops, blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, almost everyone has a complaint about their church. So pray about it, 
right? Or being like, yeah, Lord, help this and this and this. And all the servants, right? All who are in virginity, um, which means like all those, because that just means unmarried. I'm like, that's a really nice prayer, saying, Lord, help all the singles, right? And it's like, it's a nice prayer. It's weird, but it's really nice, right? Of just being like, because it sucks and it's hard in this climate. And like, there's a million reasons why you might want to pray for the singles, right? And like, that's cool. Um, <laughs> um, what comes after? I got distracted. The assemblies, the people, the, like all of it. Um, here in Cali, like I remember, like I used to make fun of the praying for drought, famine, exile, captivity, and those who are held in bitter bondage. And I'm like, who, who has that? And then we had a drought in California, and I'm like, yeah, that does suck. And it also sucks for the farmer and their children who are trying to afford an education, right? And then the barbarians in exile captivity, I'm like, hi, ISIS. Um, that, that's barbaric, and they are literally taking people into captivity, right? And so it's just like, why not pray for them, right? If it's the reconciliation, like, then it's like, bring your mind into it, and suddenly you'll be in dialogue, and you might carry some of that dialogue into your personal prayer in your mind and head of being like, no, like, I actually connected this time. Like, I remember having eureka moments, even the things like the, the prayer of Thanksgiving. I remember having like a random moment in like college of being like, hey, all these verbs are him. You covered us. You helped us. You guarded us. Right? And I'm just like, huh, that is nice to say thank you for. Right? Then I was just like, man, I've been saying covering for years. What the heck does covered us mean? Right? And I was just like, oh, you don't expose us. When we do wrong, you don't humiliate us. You don't show our sins to everybody. Right? When suddenly that word became real, I'm like, no, really, thank you. Especially when shortly I'll do some major mess up, right? And being like, oh, I hope no one finds out, right? And I'm like, he found out, he already knew, but he didn't, he didn't humiliate me, right? And then suddenly that becomes a, a point of meditation and your prayer life takes on because it's something that's real. Um, so some practical questions and I'll, uh, uh, from Uncle Noah. Um, sin and prayer. Does sin hinder prayer? Yes. I know that people are uncomfortable hearing that, but yes, it does. Does it mean you can't pray? No. But does it affect prayer? Of course it does. If you're in a fight with somebody and you go to dinner, of course your mood's different. Right? It won't affect your mood if you don't feel you did wrong. Right? So like, let's say I, I gossip about my sister, but I didn't notice that I'm not going to carry a mood when I come to the table because I, don't, I didn't even notice that I did. Right? But if I am aware, like I smack talked my sister um, or ruined her reputation, then I am going to feel a little awkward when I go to talk to my sister. Right? So that's something that's not a reason to not talk, but yeah, it can. Right? And that's why reconciliation for, is so easy. Right? Just saying, hey, dad, I did this, I'm sorry. That's all the sacrament is. I did this, I'm sorry. Cool, it's forgiven. Don't worry about it. Come to the table. Don't be awkward. Just come to the table. We're fine. Right? Um, I'm okay. I'm not upset. So knowing that sin can affect it does affect your ability to pray because it might make you hide in a corner. It might make you avoidant. I've told this story before. Even as a priest, there was a sin I was struggling with. I was living in Ottawa, and I had no desire to stop. Um, and so I was going to a, a Bible study by fluke at, at one of the local parishes, and, like, and I felt God outreaching me. Um, like the priest did an off-the-cuff Bible study, he hadn't prepped it, and like every word was for me. And I was in my head being like, God, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> like, thanks, 
I'm going to do it. Um, and then we went to this person's house. That's this very blessed uh, uh, woman who is very close to St. Mary and has some phenomenon and stuff that happens with her. And like Abuna and this other person like, and all this stuff and they're so like moved and I'm like when's this done so I can go sin um, like and it's like yes it affects your mood where, like even the most beautiful things that you might be in another mood so happy about where I'm like nope um, not having it I'm gonna do it um, and so we do carry ourselves differently when we do it God's disposition towards us never changes Right? So what I've done never affects how dad views me. Ever. Right? Nor will God say, I'm not going to talk to you um, because you have erred. But my disposition towards my dad might change. Um, it can affect other things from God. It can affect grace. Um, and I know that sounds very unpopular too, but it can affect grace. In the sense of special grace, I don't mean of normal grace. So if we view grace as money, dad is always providing living expenses free. There's nothing we can do to change that, right? God is not, my, my reign falls upon the righteous and unrighteous, like we said. But let's say dad gave me a special privilege of saying, here's money to spend on your siblings um, for dinner, like so you guys can go out. And I take it and I abuse it to buy myself stuff. Then dad might say, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the money to be used like that. Right? So it's not a punishment that I sinned. God only, it'll only affect grace when I'm abusing a grace. Right? So if I am judging people like crazy, that's like the golden standard for loss of, of, of grace. Um, so can that affect your dialogue? Yes, because the, the, the environment's messed up. Right? So that's why making peace with dad is a good idea for when you want to hang out with dad. Right? When I was in long term fights with my dad, I hated family dinner, right? It was, it was the thing I was the most anxious about for the whole day. I was like, oh, we're about to come to this space, right? And it would be awkward and I'd be extra quiet and it would go on and on and on. The minute it's fixed, everything's fine, right? So can sin affect prayer? Yes. Um, can prayer stop sin? Yes. Is God going to make you stop sinning? No, he doesn't ever, ever override your, I shouldn't say ever. He usually does not override your free will. He can, but he doesn't usually. Um, but think about how relationship affects how you behave. If you're chilling with your friend every day, are you more or less likely to backstab them? You're already less likely because you're always with them, right? Um, if somebody says something like about your friend, if you've been with your friend so much, you're less likely to be swayed by what they say because you know them, because you're with them. So prayer can help you stop sin because it puts you in a different space, right? And that's part of the reason why I keep on emphasizing, please, please, please make sure that part of your prayer is self-expressive in a way that you enjoy because it'll make prayer easier to be in, right? Um, uh, what to do after sin when you are discouraged to pray? Just go say sorry. Get it over with. Right? Like, just stand in front of an icon if, that, if that's helpful to you. Just like, Dad, I'm sorry. I already, you already know that I did this. I'm just, I'm saying sorry. Um, if you, I, I'm going to stop babbling now. If you start treating this as a way of life, okay? If you start, this is the whole quote-unquote dialogue. All this is part of dialogue. That's why I'm like, it's hard to label these things. 
When you're living in this way, that's what I mean about living prayer, being with God as opposed to at God, all of this becomes so simple because all of this, all that we've been talking about is just relationship. That's all it is, right? So it's like, keep the relationship strong, fix it. If you've, if you've sinned against God or your neighbor, just say sorry and fix it and don't do it again. If you do it again, say sorry again. That, that it's, it's very simple, right? So dad hasn't hung up the, the line, dad's always around, right? And so is family. Use family to your, to your advantage by loving each other and building each other up. But all of this is, um, I guess, the basic um, building lots for dialogue. And I will now shut up at 50 minutes. My apologies for taking so long. Glory be to God forever. Amen. Any questions, additions, reflections, comments, criticisms? Mark? So I wanted to ask um, how like, our relationship with our intercessor plays into our dialogue. Like, how do we involve our intercessor in our prayer and our prayer? For those of you here, Mark was asking how to incorporate. Sorry. There we go. That's gross. Um, how to incorporate our intercessors into our prayer life. When we start understanding church as family, the whole people of God as family, um, St. Pope Corollis is your uncle, cousin, right? So it's like, all right, I'm chilling with the best, Abba Anthony. Um, I'm, I have a relationship with them the same way that I have with any of you, right? We all have a relationship because we don't believe that they're dead. It all comes from like our belief. So as long as I understand what is the nature of my relationship with dad, you have freedom in all of your relationships as long as there's no wrong. So it really comes down to whatever you like, actually. Um, because God, even in his humility, allows that. Of being like, oh, I'm so glad you love your uncle. Cool. Right? As long as I understand that uncle is not my dad, then it's Okay. Right? And we all have different relationships with family members. Some people are very close to their cousins, others don't at all. Right? So that's something like is that all of it is, is there's a freedom within that. So I would say use it towards the kingdom. That's what I'm saying. When we understand who we are as persons, it'll just be like, how does this help all of us in being the kingdom? Right? So my relationship with this person might be like, oh, this is who I go to because he helps me not mess up. Versus this is dad assigned me a task. This uncle has so much experience in that task, so that's why I am. So it'll become sometimes functional, sometimes relational, sometimes just fun. Um, and all of that is allowed. All of it is, is there's the freedom to have. Can I ask like, to follow up? Um, perhaps like, for like, uh, examples of how you might incorporate Satan um, into your uh, continuous prayer. Um, so St. Anthony, because he's the best... Um, for me, it's like, okay, I mean, now I'm a monk. I wasn't before, but it was like, Anthony to me is a teacher. So I'm like, okay, you are somebody who really knew God and God really particularly liked you. Um, I would often be like, how do you think through this situation? Um, like, because we have so many sayings of Anthony, right? Or if I'm struggling, I'd be like, oh yeah, you talked about this, um, right? But then, that's, you know, dialogue they also respond sometimes. So sometimes they themselves will, will give something. Now as a monk, it's just like, okay, how do I do this? You're the, you're, you're the guy for this, right? So that might be one way. Pope Crotalus, for example, like, 
when when the brotherhood like were a weird thing um like in the in the in the history of the church right so in my mind when i'm reading the story of a, um silent patriarch right i had never really dawned upon me for example that pope Krolos did the brotherhood thing right his whole period in old cairo was exactly what the vision of the brotherhood is you got this monastic who's living in the city, who's doing all these things from his place, who's making her bond, starting a school, um, doing spiritual guidance and praying. Like, I'm just like, oh, so you do get me. Um, I'm like, how did you do that? Um, because how do you balance that? So sometimes I'm asking family members for advice, right? Um, and so what I mean is like, it's, it's, it can be so practical, but there might be for another person just being like, I just think they're really cool and I like playing games with them. And that's cool too. That's when like they're all they're all okay. But no excuse. Just pray, and I don't mean that cliche, because if prayer is just dialogue, it doesn't matter how much you even like the person yet, because we're just dialoguing. Tan Samira got her poser soul. Um, I, I once went with somebody struggling with atheism and I was petrified to tell him to pray because I'm like, he's an atheist, he doesn't pray. Um, so like, I was like, I'm not going to be that guy, right? And so like, Tan Samira on her like, deathbed was just like, pray. Um, and he's like, like, I'm an atheist. Um, and she's like, yeah, idiot, pray. She didn't say idiot, she never did. But she's like, then obviously pray. Who cares? Just tell, tell him you don't believe in him. Um, like, like that means like it doesn't even matter because it's just it's just conversation. So faith is trust. So I might have varying levels of trust in different phases of my life, and in con- and again, if we're talking about dialogue, sometimes I'm gonna have superficial dialogue. Sometimes I'm gonna have deep dialogue. Sometimes I'm gonna have distracted dialogue. That's normal, right? As long as I'm always working on having better communication, it's okay to go through the the the, the different phases and moods that will oscillate over and over throughout life. Right, but what I say is just be honest about those things while talking, right? Like just being able to say, for example, let's say the person who had doubt, right, of being like, I'm talking to you, but in reality, I don't know how I really feel about you or if I even believe you. Um, so like I'm just putting that out there while I talk to you. Cool, because he already knows if he's who we say he is. He already knows. So I would say don't. There's not a pre. There's never a prerequisite for speech. Right, that God has opened the doors for the dialogue at all times. So there's no prerequisite of my status, my state, my thoughts, my disposition ever. I'm always free to be in conversation. Follow. Yeah. Isn't it like required though for your parents to answer? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, if a four year old asks his dad, Can you get me this? Does he ha- is, the, is the condition of dad giving it to him that the kid really believes that he will? It's nice and it's helpful, but does dad require it? It's different than my mood towards dad, but dad's mood towards me, right? Is that having faith is beneficial and necessary to be a good son, right? But I'm saying that my dad is not making me live to the standard of good son, right? Because if we want to take philosophically that idea further, if I had perfect faith, I'd never sin, ever. But I do all the time, right? So if we're going to be philosophical, then no one is ever actually in complete faith, 
right? Because if I had perfect, complete faith, complete trust about who God is, what he wants, what he likes, what he doesn't, what is good for me, what consequences are, I would never. And yet I dare. And I still talk to dad, right? So that lack of faith might affect my mood in the conversation, and that should be worked on. So I wouldn't just want it to be left there, right? So if it were to be like, yeah, dad, could you blah, 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 and I'm rolling my eyes because I'm like, because we all know you're not, right? Then, then yeah, there's a relationship problem, right? Um, so that's like, I'm not saying just sit there in the lack of faith, but I'm just saying our dad is so nice that he doesn't demand of us to be at perfection in order for us to deal with him or ask him for anything. Sophia. Um, I don't know. I don't have children, but um, the this isn't fun or cute yet. But I'll I'll get there. Is so my present spiritual father from even when I was like before he was like when I was a teen was he he's the one first one who taught me about making my prayer room, and he was like your prayer corner needs to be cozy, um, and it needs to match you, um, and he also gives the advice to like put things physical in it because. At the starting point, we're all sensual, right? He goes, at, the, at, at beginning levels, we all, we like objects, right? So like, he's like, so put things in there that you like, hold them, touch them, right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? So like, even in my, now I don't, I don't need them as much, actually depending on my mood, but like, I've got rocks from St. Anthony's Monastery in there, sand from St. Monastery. I took objects from my closest friends when I was moving, of being like, when I see this, I see so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, right? But when you make it, really cozy you'll be excited to be in there right um because just like man i've got this like i like my 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 chair in my prayer room um like it's a boss chair um and so like i'm happy sometimes to just sit there um so that's like make it make it match um you as a starting point um and then go from there Yeah, I'm saying he has the authority to. He can. Like, it is within his ability to. He rarely does it. Um, and I'm saying rarely because depending on your relationship with God, and it's still an act of free will, you can say to Dad, you, you choose, you do it. Right? Um, or, for example, and I'm saying I'm so allowed to say no. Right? What I'm just saying is that God can say, I know you desire X, but I'm saying the best is Y. When you're in a relationship, you can have that conversation, right? Of being like, like imagine the kid comes being like, I really want to do this program. Like, I know you badly want to do this. I just don't have to tell you, this might be the biggest mistake of your life, right? So I might choose, like it's, there's still people involved, to deny my will because I really believe that. Right? Like imagine if there's a parent saying, I know you want to marry this person. I don't have to tell you, this is a disaster waiting to happen. I know you. This relationship is not going to go well. Right? Is that the person can listen or not listen. Right? But, but the person's will is, the, is, is to continue it. Right? But God has sovereignty to actually physically override if he wants. Right? But 
he does allow us into that if we have a relationship. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually the highest level of trust, right? It's to say, I take my freedom and I give it back. Right, of saying that I don't even want it. I only want to do whatever it is that you, that you have. But he, he doesn't cancel us. Justin. So grace is something that's free to give. There's no permanent. So squaring it with any sin, God can take away grace from us and can affect our relationship. Right. And that's why I'm saying special grace. I'm not talking about normal, right? So that's something like there's not a punishment of like, oh, you didn't do this thing or you did this wrong thing. I am not talking. There's none of that. That's why I'm using the example of like living expenses. Of course not. Right. Like there's no like you're not going to eat tonight because you upset me. That's never the case. I'm talking about special grace of an extra thing. I'll use spiritual gifts as examples because it's easier because that's more what I'm thinking of when I say things like that. But the thing is that there are people who, who do have special graces in their lives. Sometimes it's special manifestations. Some, like there's different things that there might be where God might withhold a little bit. So for example, if let's say you're in an army and, and the, we, need, you're, we need to distribute food across the, the whole army, right? And then you were specially chosen to be the one who distributes because of your character. If you start saying, I'm hooking up my friends, Right? They're going to get double portions, and then now there's random people who are not eating. Is the commander going to be like, oh, that's okay? Right? Like, it'll be like, he might talk to you first, and it might not be an automatic thing. Right? They're like, no, no, no. Like, how is it that there are, there are people not eating? We, we know we're sending you more than enough. And it's like, well, because I'm hooking up my friends. Right? So it's like, you've abused this grace, this special gift he gave you of being in charge. Right? So that's where there might be a, a consequence. Because that is a kind of grace, right? Whereas he's not going to kick out of the army, right? He's not going to be like, oh, no, 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 you're not even, you're not even going to eat. That's not like, there'll be none of that. But if there was something specially given, there may, I'm not even saying he will, I'm saying there may be a pause on that, right? Um, because he's, he has to be just and fair to the whole family, right? And that's why I'm just like, um, I don't think normal sinning is, 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 has a huge effect on, on, on what we call normal grace. Right? That, that's not an issue. Um, I actually think sin closes me to God's grace, not because God's not doing it, like for normal grace, but because I'm blocking it. Like if, if grace is this fountain, I'm putting holes in it um, of, of being like, I don't want your water, um, which is often what we're doing. But, and so even if I'm in the presence of grace, which I was talking about even with my own sin, I won't enjoy it, right? Because I want something else. But it is not emphatically, and I'm glad you re like brought it up. Emphatically, not saying if I do wrong, God stops anything with me in relationship. That's not a thing. Yes and no. God is not asking for shame, right? So like, like that's not. Shame as a, in, in its cleanest form, not in the self-hatred form, as I feel ashamed that how could I do this to someone that I love? There's something beautiful about that. But shame as the I'm despicable, I'm, despicable, I'm horrible, I'm so blah, 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 and, and like, and who am I to stand before you? I will not stand, I will not, like, 
that, that might not really be actual healthy shame, that might be self-hatred. And that's not, that's not holy or healthy, right? Um, so it, it, it depends, right? And that's like, is to keep it clean. It's like those teranim of like, I'm dirt, I'm scum, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Um, like, it's good to remind us that I shouldn't be so blasé, but if, if my language is always, I'm dirt, remember, oh my soul, um, nonstop. I'm not gonna ever see the nice side of dad, right? So that's like I might not even get to taste the beauty of being with dad because at every family dinner, I'm like, don't even look at him. I don't deserve for him to be my dad, right? And the rest of the family is like trying to have a good time. You're like, no, 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 no. I'm bad. Um, like it's just like it's awkward for everybody. Um, so like, but if it's I know I'm done messed up today. Once you've reconciled with dad. Move on. Can't hear you, sorry. It would depend on why I feel worse. Because if it's because something that was said to me, then, then that's his own question. But if it's my thinking about it, then something my father confession when I was growing up used to say to me was, if the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Um, and I was like, that's solid. Um, so like, it depends. Because it's like, is it my doubt that dad forgave me? Is it that I'm just overly meditating on how bad it was? Um, and then get guidance about that to be fixed. Because sometimes it's like, it might be more psychological than it is spiritual in the sense of like, I'm just so disturbed that I did this and it affected me, right? And so it's put me, my whole being out of balance, right? Body, soul, and spirit. In which case, okay, no problem, but that my, my feeling isn't because of the sacrament, it's because I'm, I'm just still trying to reconcile that. So I would say in those cases, it'd be like, I need to be able to start processing that I'm at peace with dad, but I might not be at peace with me yet. Um, and that's a different issue, right? Of being, okay, so then how do I become at peace with me? Um, of being, all right, because that can have various things. With me, usually the cause of that kind of feeling is pride, where it'd be like, how could I do that, right? Like, where it's just like, because I'm no better than anyone else. Like, why do I think so-and-so could do it, but I couldn't? Because um, my priest used to shove that in my face all the time. And like, but truly, I'm like, yeah. When I start to view myself as capable of anything wrong, which I now sincerely do, I'm less shocked. But new things, big things, they still take a toll, right? Like we're just being like, oh man. Um, but then try and, I would say, if that's the case, and then I'm all over the place, use that to build into your spiritual life and your caution. You know, okay, I become aware of this data about myself. I'm not as strong here as I thought, or I didn't know that I had this thing within me. So let's exercise some caution. How would I put some boundaries up till I can get out of this um, kind of thing? But it would be like, find out, is it about me and God? Is it about me and me? And then under each of those, find out what is the subcategory to get the treatment for it.